When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. We're coming to you live here on Trade Deadline Tuesday. Andrew Destin with Jason Mackey. It's been a crazy day. You're seeing this <sighs> Wednesday morning. Uh, we're recording this late after the game Tuesday night. Uh, as you can tell, Jason is tired. I'm tired. Not as tired as him. Uh, this has been a long yeah. day. Um, but uh, trade deadline, obviously, lots going on in Pirates world. Jason, I'll pivot it to your corner. Uh, lots of trades today, of course. Yeah. Uh, starting, of course, G-Man Choi and Rich Hill going to the Padres. Um, let's just take it from there. Uh, yeah. Initial thoughts on the day as a whole, and we can get to go uh, trade by trade. Yeah, I, I liked it. I liked what they did. Uh, moreover, I liked what they didn't do. Um, I, I was really worried, and this is sort of the behind the curtain kind of thing. I'm checking on things throughout the day. Are they going to trade Bednar? Are they going to trade Keller? Honestly, it was a lot of quiet. It was a lot of you know sending messages to not get a response. One of the things I got back was from somebody that I do trust a lot with this stuff, and he said, I'm really getting the sense that Bednar could be moved, that there, there's a lot of teams calling on him. They could do it if they want to or whatever. And like at that point, I said, oh, no. Oh no, if this <laughs> happens, um, you know, but I, I think it also makes sense to not trade Bednar. I, 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 you would have to have an extraordinary package and I'm sure that didn't arrive. And so the best move was to keep Bednar Keller. I like the moves that they made. I like what they got back for Choi and Hill. I have no problem with that. I'm glad they put an end to the Austin Hedges situation. I think it deserves to just be over. It wasn't a great fit here. It's nothing against Austin Hedges. Um, and they got some pitching back. I, I'm, I'm curious with Bailey Falter. And again, I'm sure we'll get into all of these individually. But I you know, I, I don't think it was going to happen for Rodolfo Castro here. I think that was a smart move to get some pitching. So by and large, I kind of liked what they did today. Yeah, couldn't agree more, especially when you mentioned a couple of those last trades. I mean, I think pitching depth especially. You know, the, maybe some of the guys that they acquired today, you're not looking at and saying, hey, this is a frontline starter. They might not have oh, the same sure. stuff. Sure. But like there is a definite need of AAA slash Quad A guys of you got to get through the rest of the season and also just have better depth for next season because yeah. I mean we've seen how fickle pitching depth can be in the big leagues. This was a team that go back to March. Pirates probably felt really good about their starting pitching depth or at least felt decently good. Um, and as the season wore on, injuries and all those sort of things racked up. So that's one point. Um, but then also on the Rodolfo Castro front, I mean just given what we're seeing with the middle infield depth here, how things kind of worked out for Rudy yeah. here. It seems like the change of scenery was probably the right play for him, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, you know, you have to envision too, like O'Neill Cruz is going to be back yeah. in a couple of weeks. Obviously he's not going anywhere. I think maybe this is the calculus that went into it for Ben Sherrington, but I would look at this and say, I've seen enough out of Leover Pagaro, Nick Gonzalez, Alika Williams, some combination thereof 
Like, I want to see those guys play. I'm not in a hurry to see Rodolfo Castro play baseball anywhere. And I could think, all right, well, do I move him to first base? I don't really have an awful lot of opportunity. I want to give him there. I, I want Key Brian Hayes to play third base. I don't want Castro in the outfield. So all of a sudden I'm out of positions. And are we just going to like let him fester in the minor leagues? Like maybe, but again, like you said, with Falter and um, Jackson Wolf, who I keep wanting to call Jackson Hole, and I guarantee I will do it for some darn reason. Um, so I'm sorry about that in advance, Jackson. But um, I like what they did for the pitching depth. And if you have to give up Castro to do it, whatever. You know, you have to give to get. And I think that was exactly one of Charrington's comments. Yeah. With uh, first base is another one that I wanted to touch on with you there, because obviously Santana moved a little bit around a week ago um, yeah. with Choi now getting moved today. Um, along with Hill, which that's another discussion point that I'm sure we'll get into here about what Hill exactly meant to this rotation and the team at large. But uh, but first base, I mean, it's Connor Joe was the starter there today. He got the reps there. Is this something that you envision? Um, maybe I'm get a little bit ahead of myself, but is this Connor Joe's job for the next two months? Do we see? Some- no, I don't. I don't. I don't think it is. <laughs> There's got to be a bunch of guys going trying their hand there, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a platoon. I think I think they married themselves pretty well, Alfonso. Alfonso Rivas and Connor Joe. Uh, Connor Joe hits lefties well. Rivas hits righties well. You can kind of just go a straight swap. I'd like to see a little bit more with Connor Joe defensively. I think they're going to get in a situation carrying three catchers. If you're going to try to get Henry Davis reps behind the plate, you're probably going to want Andy Rodriguez's bat in the lineup. So maybe he goes out there a little bit. But, you know, I look at Rivas to hit right handers, Joe to hit left handers, and figure out what happens from there. And if, you know, if Malcolm Nunez gets hot in September, let's give him a look. Right. I'm starting to have some doubts about Jared Triola. Yeah, I am. I, like, I want to see it work out. I think he's going to be good defensively. The slug just is not there. Nope. Like a 619 OPS. I think it's two extra like base that. hits so far, and it's like 24 singles. I know. That's he, it. <laughs> he has good at bats. Like it's he's He's in command of the strike zone more often than he is not, but he's just not – getting anything into the ball. And I just, I worry about the sustainability of that. I worry about allocating a position like first base that you traditionally look for offense to come from that spot. Just concerns me a little bit. That's beside sort of what we're talking about. No, no. something that's been on my brain tonight. Yeah, me too, because it's relevant just in the sense of, okay, what do you do with Rivas coming in? That seems like a logical, okay, right. They said they're going to have him in the big leagues. He's going to play over there a good amount. Yep. It's going to be him and Joe. And I mean, if you look at his numbers, by the way, yeah. Oh, yeah. they're quite good. Yeah, it's just a matter of getting him to stick up here, which he hasn't had that chance yeah. yet. He's had cups of coffee, but it's let him have the runway, right? And yeah. the other thing we should think about, too, while we're talking about numbers of AAA being really good, at what point does Miguel Andohar have to come back up here? <laughs> and I sort of want Miguel Andohar to come back up here, so I quit hearing people talk about him like he's the second coming. Um, it, it, to, nothing against Miguel Andohar, but it looks like a quad A player all the way for me. I hope I'm wrong. I hope something changes. I don't know how he hit 27 home runs one year because the at-bats that we've seen in Pittsburgh largely stunk. But, I mean, dude's crushing the ball. Yeah. At some point, you have to bring him up here, and I'm not sure where you play him if you're going to have Reynolds, Sawinski, and Henry Davis in the outfield. Yeah, I mean, especially because he's taken some of those reps at first base, but like we've just mentioned, they've made the moves to kind of remedy that situation, or at least to have some guys there. Outfield is certainly crowded. You have – Josh Palacios, who even factors in probably ahead of Miguel Andujar at this point. This is all relative, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I realize I'm, I'm as I'm talking and hearing Andrew talking, this is a team that's gonna lose 95 games. We'll talk about it. I don't know if you could find <laughs> right. space. You could find space. Yes. All right, we're yeah. just rel- relatively speaking. 
So it, it takes some juggling, but we've seen this team. There will probably be 19 people that get hurt before the end of the year, and then you know, the, the stuff crumbles. So who knows? I think there will be opportunity for people. There will be a lot of opportunity, but <laughs> specifically the rotation uh, with Hill moving on out. Yep. Um, I'm curious if you have, one, any thoughts about who comes in to fill that spot in the rotation yep. immediately, and two, I guess we can segue that into the conversation of uh, you know, what Hill meant to this staff because oh. took his he was a very courteous guy with us all throughout, took the time to chat with us before he departed. Yeah. I have nothing but good things to say about Hill. I know you feel the same way. Yeah, I really like Rich. Um, I'll start on a personal note for for a second. And you know, the way we sort of do these things, um, we have two of us here, we'll kind of divide and conquer. And I went up at one point to start writing and updating a story. Andrew went down on the field because Keep Brian Hayes was gonna talk. And um, so we're just, you know, in different spots, but he texts me that, you know, Hill is about to talk outside of the clubhouse. And I could have easily left that to you. And I just didn't want to. Like, I just wanted to say thank you to Rich and how nice and courteous and caring that he's been. Um, undoubtedly, one of the most genuine, whatever you want to say, professional athletes I've ever dealt with. Like, I put him right up there baseball-wise with, like, a Jacob Stallings. It's just a really, really good person. Hockey-wise, we're talking about Flurry, Crosby, just, like, salt of the earth, good people. And I think that really resonated with people. I know, you know, people might get mad about the results on the back of his baseball card, and that's completely fair. Um, he's making $8 million and, and whatever, but really, really good person. I'll miss him. Anyway, what to do with his, the rotation? This is an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you, you, Keller, Oviedo, Priester's going to get starts. I think they need to get Luis Ortiz back in there at some point. I don't know if it's right now, but at some point. Yeah, they got to get him right. Uh, I I would like to see them give Bailey Falter a chance yeah. and see how he pitches here. And I thought, based on what Ben Charrington said after the deadline, talking about PNC Park, and we've liked him for several years, and we like his deception and, and strike throwing and all this stuff, this kid intrigues me. Um, and they've done good things with left-handed pitching before. Tyler Anderson, Jose Quintana. Granted, this is like a warp speed. We have to learn you right away and get you right out there. But he he kind of intrigues me. What about you? Where would you go? Yeah, I mean, Falter's a good place to start. I, I think Wolf is somebody that you think about. He's probably a little bit further away. I know what's the, the word on him? Start him in double-A is what they're kind of thinking? Or I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's where he's pitched. It, it he honestly, has pitched the, he has he pitched pitched the, big the big leagues. Yeah. That threw me off. Yeah. I didn't catch that the first time through. And I'm like, double A, okay, it's having a good result. And then I realized that like, he made his MLB debut July 22nd. Yeah. Um, that I don't I don't know if you want to do that though. Probably too soon. Like yeah. I, I would knock on Falter's door first. I'd probably knock on Ortiz's door if he follows up his last start with the good one. I like him though. Yeah. I like the Jackson Hole. Our buddy. <laughs> there it is. First one. I know. Yeah, no, yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> um, but no, with Falter, he's a guy I'm, I'm similarly intrigued, especially because I know Ben Sherrington made these comments, but Citizens Bank Ballpark, right? I mean, that's a hitter's park as through and through as they come. Um, yeah. This is a guy who the results obviously weren't there in Philadelphia when he was pitching there in a hitter's park. Yep. I'm curious to see you move him out to this division where, you know, admittedly, the NL Central is not quite as deep as the NL East. Um, you know, the pitching yeah. ballparks, you've got a number of them that it plays better, maybe his stuff. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors there that you look at what this franchise has done in terms of, um, you know, remedying some pitchers who haven't maybe put together results on other teams, especially lefties. He's a guy who is interesting, especially because you look at the minor league system. It's not like it's chock full of lefties, aside from Anthony Solomato. Right. Like, this isn't like, hey, they have lefty, lefty depth. You need left-handed pitching in your rotation. I mean, you, you don't have to necessarily, but, like, 
It like helps. A, yeah. It, it <laughs> They've had helps. to go buy it on the free agent market the past three years. Yeah. You know, it is amazing how right-handed they are. Yeah. With a lot of their pitching options, and that's kind of changed. So, yeah, I'm curious about that. And another element I would throw with Bailey Falter that I, I've sort of thought about with this. I mean, you're pitching for the Phillies. Obviously not a, an easy crowd, an easy place to pitch in terms of expectations. And if things go wrong, you're also pitching in the NL East, as you said, for a very competitive team that, you know, is designed, is built to reach the World Series, reach the postseason. Things are obviously much different here. I wonder how much that helps him. Yeah. I wonder if he can just kind of relax a little bit, you know, have the runway to work on some things, uh, make some corrections, not feel like he's going to be yanked out of the game and booed relentlessly the moment something goes wrong. So, yeah, he he certainly intrigues me. Yeah, there's a lot of guys like that. It's like I think back the minute I acquired him, I was thinking back to obviously, you know, much different caliber of pitchers. But it's like when a Sonny Gray, for instance, went from Oakland to New York, like mm. how much of a struggle that was for him. Yeah, and then you got point. him out of there, put him in Cincinnati. He was much better. Yeah, right? one of these more, um, you know, I guess not com less competitive environments, but you, you catch the drift of, you know, mm -hmm. you get a guy into an environment that's more conducive to, hey, you can fail a little bit and we'll let you grow through those growing pains, which is kind of segues into some of the talks tonight in the clubhouse, because that was kind of the rave of a guy like David Bednar, who's obviously very happy to still be here, but he's like excited for the growing pains. He's looking forward to the, hey, there's going to be flashes. The young mm -hmm. guys are going to come through, but there's also going to be moments where, you know, this needs time. This needs to just let it breathe. You know? I thought I thought that aspect was really interesting. Um, and I'm actually like mid story about this, which will probably be online by the time you watch this video. But think about this. Brian Reynolds, Mitch Keller, David Bednar, they sort of always had somebody to like look up to. Yeah. You know, they've never been like the guys. Now they're kind of the guys. Yeah. Right. Like who else in this clubhouse are you going to look to? Kutch? That's, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. But there aren't many other ones. I mean, those are your horses yep. at this point. And it's kind of neat. We were talking to Reynolds before the game. I thought he was really good on some of this stuff. Reynolds is, an, Reynolds is a very nice man, but he's not always the most introspective. Uh, and so he, uh, give him credit. He, he was very good about this. Uh, and, you know, just what we've been hearing about this is Reynolds talking. So we've been hearing about the kids for, for a number of years, and it's really going to be cool to see them continue to come up and produce and grow. Similar sentiment echoed by Keller, Bednar. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's going to determine so much about this team, Andrew. It yeah. really is about the balance of this season, what sort of feeling they have going into the offseason. If they stink, man, is it going to be tense this offseason. Yeah. And if they're really good, it's going to be the exact opposite. People are going to say, hey, man, we turned it over to the kids. Things are good. I like what I see from Gonzalez or, or Henry Davis or Endy or Quinn or whatever it is. I mean, it can really go two different ways. Yeah. And it's how do you approach? You mentioned that offseason. It's do you go? It's not like this past offseason was some approach of, hey, we're going to lose 100 games. It was no, we're going <laughs> right. to supplement it with talent. Right. Do you run that back and do like a very similar approach where you go, let's get a veteran first baseman, let's get back of the rotation arms like a Vince Velazquez, like yeah. a Rich Hill? Like, do you run that back again? I think, yeah, these next 55, 56 games, whatever the number is, it, it impacts a lot. That's what I'm really curious about. I mean, if they, if they lose, I'm going to be doing math on the fly here, and it's going to be bad. But, you know, if they lose 90 games, I think it's going to be largely positive, right? Yeah. Like 72 and 90, I don't think anybody would look at that and be overly upset. Right. If they lose 95 or more, what do you feel about that? I'm not feeling great <laughs> about it. I don't want to hear Ben Charrington talking about progress at that point. Mm -hmm. I think that rings awfully hollow. And if they 
lose, I would say, 98 or more, maybe even 95 or more, don't you have to look at the manager? Don't you have to look at what the heck are we doing here? Like that's not even, oh, this is disappointing. It should be like we're five years into a rebuild and there's no guarantee that things are better. I'm not saying that's how it's going to pan out. I'm just like covering hypothetical scenarios here where, you know, if the kids win and are good for the end of the year, fantastic. We have none of the, none of this discussion matters, but if they're not and they don't see any growth, if, if the, what is held over the past three months continues, that's a, that's a problem. Well, I think you bring up a great point because I mean, at least publicly, right. When we talk to Ben Sherrington, when we talk to Derek Shelton, I mean, it's Shelton's lineup card, right? He's supposedly doing with it as he pleases when it yep. comes to who he's putting at catcher, which I think that's the point we need to discuss next is yep. because you got Jason Delay on the scene, which that kind of, I don't know about you, that kind of caught me for a spin a little bit. Maybe it Why? Because it happened seven minutes before the first pitch? <laughs> well, that's certainly that a lot of us re- for a spin. <laughs> Reason number one. Sorry. Oh, and Kibrian Hayes was active. But, yeah. You know, you didn't see him tonight, but, um, but yeah, no, of, of Jason Delay being here, because if this is Derek Shelton's lineup card, and we don't see Henry Davis actually get back there behind the plate, then it comes into question of, you know, what our questions, I guess, are, is Shelton evaluating the talent correctly of putting Davis behind there or not putting him back behind the plate? Um, and other questions. That just kind of comes to mind with me is, is this the right guy yeah. who's, you know, maybe on the same wavelength, has the same brain trust as Ben Sherrington, but, like, is that evaluating using the talent as effectively, as efficiently as he needs to be? That's where my mind kind of goes. You know where my mind went tonight? I'm tired of hearing about Henry Davis catching. <laughs> People have performed surgery with less fanfare. <laughs> Just either catch him or don't. Yeah. Honest to goodness. I mean, we're playing in right field. That's fine. I'm good with that. We're catching. It, it's just, there's so much. I don't understand the delay thing. I don't understand how delay fits. It, it strikes me as wasting a roster spot on, on you're trying to be like too cute or too smart or something like that. I don't understand it. Um, or just catch the kid. And I didn't understand this from the jump with what they're doing with Henry Davis. Catch it. If he stinks, everybody and their mother will understand why you have Henry Davis in right field. But they get mad because he's a kid picked 1-1, highly rated by nearly every prospect service as a catcher. And here you're saying, oh, he can't catch. What? <laughs> well, I don't understand. Like That doesn't make sense. And I feel like it's not fair to Henry. So anyway, that's just me complaining and yelling about this and i don't i just don't understand yeah i mean the guy caught 99 games in college 75 in the minors whatever the number was it was you know it's like at some point i would just throw him out there and see what you got i but again if that's, nothing else you're no longer culpable for putting him in right field and people getting mad about it yeah right like, remember the game where he had seven wild pitches yeah seven pass balls i guess I should say. but then you point to that and say okay this is andy's job and that's that which i, I mean that's still it's still his job but <laughs> I also think, where do you fall on this? That, like, Henry should catch. I don't even care because you're what you're doing is sort of manipulating a roster spot, right? Like, you don't need to carry a backup catcher if you have both of those guys. You mm-hmm. can get them in the lineup if you rotate. Somebody catches three days. Somebody catches right. four days. You manage it the right way. You've basically stretched your roster out a little bit. And with their offense, theoretically, at catcher, they should, they should be to the, to the good. Or, you know, be in the bonus or what? I don't know what the term is. I always say, like, you're you're in the red and the black. Is that right? Yeah. yeah but yeah. I don't know which is which. I think red is the negative, black is the positive, right? See, and I don't, I don't want to say it wrong. And then oh. somebody watching this, you know, you're in. But no, I, I just, 
I like the offense that they can bring at that position, a position that normally doesn't have a lot of offense to it. So I think it, unless Henry's going to be absolutely horrendous, I would really like them to use the balance of this season to learn what he is behind the plate. Yeah. And that plan you're discussing is the one the Pirates like to tell us about, but have not yet deployed. Right. Right. Okay, cool. We're all caught up. Sweet. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and in their defense, it's a very awkward pre-deadline time, right? Yeah. Like, you've still got people there. You've got to kind of limp to the deadline. I'm just hoping that it changes after tonight. Yeah, I am as well. I'm just curious to see how it all kind of shapes up the next two months. Because I'll, I'll say this. This is going to be a lot more interesting than I think I, I was thinking before the deadline. Okay. of Okay, well, they're going to sell off a bunch of this talent and – who knows what's going to stick here. It's, you know, I, I guess where I'm coming from on that is that you still have a nucleus. You didn't yeah. sell the entire family. Like the, the, <laughs> it's still all here. You can yes. still run with it. Yes. So um, that's what I'm really, I'm really curious about. So what did you think about covering your first trade deadline? Ooh, uh, well, like it? it was nice to have you there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I'm glad somebody feels that way. No, um, no, but it was, it was fun. I mean, it was enjoyable just in the aspect of like, this is something I've always followed my whole life of just okay. like staying up to date with it. Yeah. Um, I'll say this, the pirates had a lot more movement than the giants did. So I didn't feel like, <laughs> I, I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything back at home, but, uh, but no, I mean, being like part of the, the process, like seeing it all kind of wind down, it, it was neat to be part of it on that aspect, but certainly stressful and certainly time constraining. I'll say that much. Yeah. Th <laughs> these days are not among the easiest. Um, I was saying to Andrew, you know, the stories that you guys read online, like I'll, it happens, you write something really quick, get it online, um, go back, write, you know, we call it a write through. You're basically adding a little bit more context, a little bit more numbers, blah, blah, blah. You do that. I, I think I did that one or two times for like the Hill and the Choi trade. Then you go to the park, talk to people, update with that. Um, I think there was another update in there or whatever, but like that's in the middle. Then the Austin Hedges trade happened right as I was about to file one write through. So I write that, you know, restart that process, have to have a write through of that. Then you're adding in the Castro trade and then Sherrington. So, I mean, there's just constant crap. And I don't mean it that way. I mean, I love this job and I'm not actually complaining about it, but it is definitely one of the crazier days that you will have on this beat. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Well, it's in the rear view mirror, but certainly has given yeah. us a lot to, to be mindful of and be monitoring of, which certainly, I mean, from the minor league perspective too, a lot of new guys to, yeah, right. to learn about and to write about and for you guys to all to read about. So that makes our lives certainly interesting on that aspect. But yep. um, yeah. So you did a story, um, which was really well done, by the way, the analysis of the post trade deadline. And we have not had a chance to talk about that. Yeah. So which one are you most looking forward to now? Although I guess some of it is a little not a little incomplete, right? Like I think about the Connor Joe thing that, yeah. that the calculus of that has changed. <laughs> but what are you looking forward to? I'll say that like post deadline, what are you looking out for? I think you and I might be on the same page about this one. It's of making Jack Sawinski an everyday player or not. Mm, that is okay. really interesting. I don't know if that's where I'd go. Okay. So for me, that's where I go just because you've basically untouched the outfield depth. Right. Okay. So that at least right now is consistent. Right. You still have Cal Mitchell and Kanan Smith and Jigba and Miguel Andujar are all still in AAA. Yep. So they're basically rolling with this group. Josh Palacios is the clear number four, number five outfielder, depending how you want to shake that up with Connor Joe being in the mix. Like hmm. this is Jack Sawinski's center field job. It has been all year against righties, but, you know, he's been in and out of the lineup against lefties. The results have bettered there. The power's not there yet, but I just want to see him keep getting those ABs. Like let him run 
let him get a lot of leeway out there in center. You got two months, see what you got in him. Is he truly a platoon player or can he develop? Because he's shown throughout his career that he's developed in a lot of different aspects. Like, for instance, this year, a lot more selective of a hitter. Like, he's improved in terms of getting on base, taking pitches, taking walks. Like, yeah, last year we couldn't say that about him. He had a, what, sub-300 on base percentage. So, like, who's to say you can't develop? You can develop at the big leagues. And Shelton's talked about it with guys like Jason DeLay getting better as a hitter. I'd like to think Jack Swinski's a better hitter than Jason DeLay. Why can't he keep getting better against lefties? That's really uh, prurient on my mind. Okay. I like it. I will not argue with it. I think that's a very, very good idea. And it drives me crazy, the people that say, well, he can't hit lefties. Who cares? <laughs> you know, he's yeah. still got an 850 OPS. Like, I think he's not exactly dragging down the lineup. Nope. I don't care if he's swinging a broom against lefties. Like, so what? Um, but, yes, I'm, I'm with you there. Mine is actually pitching. Okay. I find the pitching fascinating. And on so many levels, I guess I'm kind of cheating. Um, but, you know, there's just so many different things I think are really important to this team. And I, I need to see play out for the end, from now until the end of the regular season. Like Rowanzi Contreras being, and that was also part of your your yeah. thing, I believe. Yep. Um, you know, being in the Florida Complex League hasn't thrown competitively in basically a month now. Um, they need to get him back and in major league games, in my opinion, before the year is done. I want yeah. him. I think it's important for him to go into the offseason with some confidence. Luis Ortiz, same deal. I want to see him up here. I want to feel better about that. I still think Ortiz winds up as a reliever, but yeah, whatever. I I I just like to see some improvement there. But look at the rest of their rotation, man. Like Oviedo was really good tonight. Yep. Does that continue? I hope it does. Mitch Keller, what what ends up with him? Like, you know, his last start was outstanding, but before that had a rough July. I want to see that water find its level or, or, you know, go up a little bit, maybe say it that way. But I just think there's so much intrigue. What happens with Bailey Falter? You know, how does he handle things? Quinn Priester has been I, – I, I still don't know what Quinn Priester is. He's been really good for a couple innings and then struggles. Um, so – Starting pitching, they have a lot of places to go. Um, I think we're going to get a look at Paul Skeens at some point, um, obviously in the minor leagues. Jackson Hole, we talked about him. Uh, Jackson Wolf, either way. Um, That's two. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I can't pull it off either It's time. fun. I'm a bad actor. Um, no, but I, I just think there's a lot of lot of stuff with the pitching. It's intriguing. Yeah, no, it's on my mind as well, and I think you bring up a great point. I'm no psychiatrist or anything like that, but for Contreras' psyche, I'd get, I'd have to believe that getting back up here, getting some good innings under his belt probably plays well, and, you know, we saw it last year here in Pittsburgh, how effective he can be. That's somebody yeah. who uh, – he's. it's not like he's escaped their plans. He's very much still a part right. of what they want to do, and if he's not, that's kind of an issue, it feels like. Isn't it baffling, though? Dude just to throw 97, and now he's at, like, 93, yeah. 92, 93. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. I mean, I do know how it happens, but and I don't think he's hurt. Like, yeah. I think that's a, a something a lot of the fan base is worried about. Like these guys are pitching through some sort of arm issues. No, I I think it's completely mental. I think they are wrapped around the axle. They are thinking about entirely too much stuff. Um, you know, and you can debate whether the Pirates are right or wrong for for screwing with their mechanics and their mental state and all that stuff. But I just, man, you need to like untangle these kids and just let them go. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting stuff to keep tabs on the next two months. I'll yep. say that. And pitching is right at the forefront of it. Uh, catching, God, we'll just go around the field and field and outfield too. I, I'm just, I'm locked in. And I know Jason is too. <laughs> Anything else we might have missed on this uh, trade deadline Tuesday? Or I think this is a good debriefing. Yeah. I like where we ended. Yep. Good talk. Well, yep. be sure to subscribe to our content as always. Check us out on the Post Gazette website as well as on our YouTube channel. And we will catch you all again 
next time. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you liked the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you enjoyed it on Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down in the description.